1: The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed.
4: From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsack for another edition of the big show, the main show, the Captain Moden Kennedy led show of our feed. Hope is Force Center, Joseph Scrimshaw, Jennifer Landa, here with me as well. Hello, team. Happy to be here on our Fulminatrix show. (laughs) That is... One of my favorite names in Star Wars. It's so great. It already has
0: a cool class and it's a yes. dreadnought. And then somebody right. came along and was like, what's a cooler name for its individual <laughs> ship name?
4: Full, Full Oh my, my goodness. I love Star Destroyer names, <laughs> Jennifer. Do you uh,
3: Yeah, well, you guys know them all. I feel like I should just quiz you. <laughs>
4: yeah. They're all so harsh. I want one that's just the meaning. Yeah. <laughs> meaning. Yeah, I love the I'd love to have a meeting of the Imperial design team, the <laughs> creative team. The Dauntless, the <laughs> Intimidator, the Avenger, the Executor, or Executor,
0: whichever you (laughs) want to say. Yeah,
4: that's been one of the biggest battles. We'll have to get someone for the story team to finally decide that. But I don't know if they'll know, too, because that's a George thing from back in the day. Yeah, Mm. yeah. I grew up saying Executor.
0: Yeah, I remember being yelled at. I like, yeah. How dumb of you! Yeah. It's not executor; it's executor. Executor, you know, executor. like of a will. <laughs> Creepy.
4: Exactly. <laughs> it's 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 the it's the will of the empire exactly. or the emperor himself, <laughs> uh, right there on that ship. Oh <laughs> uh, well, we are here. We are here in a uh, interesting time to be a Star Wars fan, and we are going to have some fun uh, diving into Rogue One and Solo. A tale of two standalones. More on that later. Just as uh, you, I I was with you when you, you this idea popped into your head. I mean, I'm sure it had been percolating around, but then your eyes lit up. No, they did, I know what we want to talk about.
0: Absolutely. I'm just so happy to have both these movies. I want to take some time digging into them.
4: Yeah, absolutely. We're going to do that and catch up on our uh, our Star Wars adventures. But today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at Audible audibletrial.com slash Force Center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Now, at the time of this recording and the release of this this episode, the movie trivia showdown live event will be released on Collider Video's YouTube channel. Joseph and I did compete in that over the weekend. Some of you were there live. So happy to meet those that we could. I did have to run off right after the show, so I didn't meet uh, some of the fans, which actually was disappointing because you guys are so sweet, so supportive. But, uh, Joseph, we had a lot of fun. We did. Um, Obviously, everyone's going to get to watch the match later, but
0: yeah, 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 yeah. And so it, it, it's not released yet, right? Cause yes. It might be the afternoon, so we can't yeah. say anything about it. Yeah, So build up the drum. <laughs> it was so much fun. It was it was just being absolutely immersed in Star Wars for about a week, like just in the Bakhta tank yeah. of Star Wars facts, studying. We spent a lot of time with uh, Alex. And Molly of Star Wars Explained recorded some episodes with them. So it's just great to be surrounded by it. And I did get a chance uh, to meet and talk to some not only Schmodown fans, but Force Center fans. Yes. And they also had some nice things to say. And I love it when they remembered details from the podcast. Oh, that yeah. I don't remember. So we say so much about Star Wars. It's so great when a fan comes up and like, when you and Ken and Jennifer said this funny thing, that was great. And I was like, that is great. Did we say that? <laughs> great.
4: I'm going to repeat that again because that is quite an interesting <laughs> thing to say. Thank you. I'll take full credit now. Uh, yeah, awesome. It was a great time and uh, spending time. Alex and Molly are going to be on uh, some of our programming here starting this week and beyond, and and they'll be on again and again. Uh, Such wonderful people to sit down and and celebrate Star Wars with.
0: Absolutely.
4: Yeah. A lot of fun. Jennifer, Mm -hmm. any uh, wild adventures for you?
3: Yeah. Well, actually, I went over to Screen Junkies and I hung out with uh, Joe Star, Mark Ellis, and Hal Lublin. Is that right? Loveland. Loveland. Yeah. Yeah. And so we uh, did a fun little thing where we recast A New Hope uh, with current actors from today. Oh, it was good. Mark yeah. Ellis said it had some interesting choices, but I think that <laughs> <laughs> overall- Was it uh,
0: just the the band Van Halen playing <laughs> yeah. the right, characters right. of Star Wars A New
3: Hope? It could no. have been the cantina band. Perfect. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh, yeah. that's right. Yeah, but I think <laughs> the cast- All the aliens
0: <laughs> jumping. <laughs>
3: yeah, the cast that we assembled, I am so pleased. and oh, Yeah, I think that will be out this week, that episode that's on the Screen Junkies YouTube channel.
4: Great, those are all great people. I have done comedy with all of them. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fun, fun, fun team. Glad uh, you got to do that to so look for that. Look for Joseph and I competing with Alex. Jennifer on Screen Junkies recasting Star Wars. That stuff is out there. But let's dive into what we got going on here today on Force Center. We love talking Star Wars with you, and we love catching up on the news.
3: Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit quieter of a week uh, this past week, but, you know... Whew. Yeah, exactly, let's let's take a little deep breath. There's always a lot of drama when making any movie, and Star Wars movies are no exception. Back in 2015, it was announced that Jurassic World director Colin Trevorrow would direct episode nine, Surprisingly, the filmmaker left the project in September 2017 with with a statement from Lucasfilm claiming that all parties had, quote, mutually chosen to part ways. Trevorrow recently sat down with Empire magazine and talked a little bit about his exit from the saga film um, and that, you know, he didn't want to say too much because he didn't want to affect the way that fans see these films he said, quote, when we were kids, these movies came to us from far away. They were a gift. And the more we talk about how they're made, the more it reveals that they're just movies. Um, He also shared that he got to tell his story idea to episode uh, for episode nine to Mark Hamill and George Lucas himself, which is something that he will cherish for the rest of his life. So first of all, I was surprised he seems really at peace with his exit. It didn't seem like there was too, I mean obviously it's dramatic that he left Mm -hmm. it seems like they parted on good terms but secondly I'm kind of surprised that he actually pitched his idea to George Lucas is that surprising or was that timeline still right that George was still involved for episode 9 I don't actually think
4: he was involved but uh, I know Javaro's kind of in that spielberg kathleen kennedy protege bucket which would might mean you get an audience with george you know
0: (laughs) protege bucket would be a great name for a star destroyer
4: (laughs) (laughs) get on board the protege bucket (laughs) uh
0: yeah i i i I would love to know the context because yeah i i want to think that there has been an interview where like at some sort of cast event for episode eight that he pulled Daisy Ridley aside and was like, hey, here's what's going to happen. So I wonder if it's something like that, yeah. that at a okay. premiere, at an event. I don't think it was sort of like <laughs> the opening of Godfather yeah. where he's like, yeah. Mr. Lucas, I must
4: come to your home. I have something to tell you. Yeah, you 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 referred to the, the Bobby Moynihan story that the 40th SNL. Thing, yes, that, yes. Uh, Daisy cried. That was the story. Yeah. That Bobby Again, stories, I, who knows? Yeah, and I know. think you're right. I think at one point he probably probably had to sit down with Mark not not like you're saying the Godfather but just like in the production of the movie like here's yeah, you he, saw Ryan and, and Daisy and Mark early on rehearsing some things maybe yeah. like that I don't know mm,
3: that's interesting that makes much more sense but he
4: here's the thing I I, I know he's it, it was sometimes not the favorite choice and the book of Henry stuff and, and some of the you know I, I get some of the, the the talking points surrounding him but I, I think he's always been considered a really nice guy mm. uh, I haven't met him personally I've been I've been 20 feet from him but did not meet him, which I actually regret. Uh, but everyone around him is always like, he's a very nice, quiet guy, and a big Star Wars fan. Mm. Um, you know, other stories from the set, that's not what we're here for. So uh, I, I'm not surprised he's handling it that way. Because what else would he do?
3: What's he going to say? <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah, right. I yeah, I, I think that's a great
0: uh, perspective of his, too, of, yeah, we want to dig into behind the movies. We can't help but do that. But, yeah, they didn't. You know, when you're yeah. a kid, and you know, especially if you're not growing up in anywhere near California or Hollywood, George Lucas lives far away He's this mysterious (laughs) man Who has all of these other people helping him And then these movies exist And you don't have as much of that like yeah. let me hear the three different pitches for episode nine and then every fan gets to decide which one should have been made Yeah, right. you know I'm sure we will discuss it if it ever comes up but I think it does start to erode the magic a little bit of just like it, it there's does. a storyteller and here's a story
4: mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking of you maybe you're so right because uh, you know that Return of the Jedi little magazine a lot of us have yeah um, you know on, has on location stuff Yuma Arizona I believe it was and Crescent City up in Redwoods and I, so I grew up thinking it was like a fabled you know yeah. I had no idea that was just an on location shoot, you know, <laughs> Blue <laughs> Harvest to production, but I'm just like, oh, it's up there's where they shot Star Wars. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah even
4: the making of was magical.
3: Uh, it does feel like we've lost a little bit of the magic. I have seen some people online this past weekend who were like, maybe we just should not report anything about the making <laughs> of these films because it, are, it is kind of taking on its own mm-hmm. life, and maybe we should just preserve that magic.
4: Or we can speculate responsibly. Yeah. There you go.
3: That's and right. Get
0: a t-shirt to remind yourself how to do it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have plenty of time to read while we wait for episode nine, and in October of this year, we're getting a new book that celebrates the eclectic mix of female characters from the films, cartoons, novels, comics, and video games. The book Women of the Galaxy gathers 75 profiles with text by the great Amy Ratcliffe and all new incredible artwork from 18 talented female and non-binary artists. There's never really been a book like this before um, because it's dedicated to well-known female characters like Leia and Padme, but also lesser-known female characters like V. Marathi and of course Ara Singh. But I wanted to share this story because I think it's so cool that Amy is now gonna be a published Star Wars author because I remember, you know, I forgot I don't know, seven years ago or something when I first met Amy, she was just, you know, a passionate fan for Star Wars. She had her own blog and you know, she was working her day job. And just from hard work and that passion, and now look at her, she's writing this book it's just it's inspirational you know anything is possible
4: guys (laughs) (laughs) anything I love that no looking forward to this book
3: it's cool Amy's
4: great she's great at hosting panels you see a lot of big, big, some of the big panels Star Wars Celebration she knows her stuff she does
0: yeah and I I love the interview with her about sort of the nature of this book how it is great such a great uh, will be a great discovery point Mm-hmm. For people to read about characters and go, oh, now where's that character from? Right, like it's it's really an interesting time in Star Wars where you do have those big characters, and you have like uh, you know or sing where more people might know. But like uh, I believe the the V character is Phasma, right? Yes, and uh, oh the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Spy who is captured and and gives a framing device to the book Phasma, yeah. and mm-hmm. I think a lot of people might be really turned on to the Phasma book by just reading yeah about that. Right. And speaking of the like the magic, mm-hmm. this is a great example of like when we were younger would get uh, trading cards or storybooks that had a deleted oh, scene yeah. and would open up your mind to like, I want to find out more about that and I'm excited to, to imagine things like that and just for myself even to have a compendium yeah. of like, oh. all the characters in one place.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I, it'd be one of, a great research point too and just, a, and a fun, and, you know, reading these characters that are, are smaller, uh, you know, the... the or, or Ray Sloan, I'm thinking of too, you know, yeah. known to us, a larger audience is going to take into the cover is great art with Ray and everything. So yeah, Jennifer, this is, this is an exciting thing here. Putting what, 75 characters? 75 characters. Yeah, that's characters.
3: Great. yeah. The artwork is fantastic. Already judging from the cover, like you said. And I think it's just such a great resource. I mean, I love the visual guides. I love the official guide for Solo because I can just go, oh, what was that character name? What what were they yeah. <laughs> what were they wearing yeah. or where where is their home planet? You know, you can look it up on Wikipedia, but there is something really really cool about picking up a book and getting a little bit more um, information and mm-hmm. then being able to explore that further in books, video games and whatnot. Yeah, so yay, awesome. Amy. Uh, okay. Now <laughs> 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 well, now we're getting into, you know, some, some interesting territory here. Every film has scenes that end up on the cutting room floor. For Solo, a Star Wars story, that scene had Han, aerial training and then getting kicked out of aerial training screenwriter john casden actually had a cameo in that scene and was sure that the scene wouldn't get cut (laughs) if he was in it (laughs) but it did Um, lawrence and john casden were disappointed the scene was cut but they also admit that it was a wise choice for the pacing of the film john casden also made an appearance you guys might remember as part of the legends duo tag and bink but that scene was also cut So I've heard several people say that they wish that they had seen more of Han's training as a pilot. Um, You know, I'm sure that Ron Howard made the right decision, but would you guys have liked to see more of his time in the Imperial Navy?
0: Um, I'm happy to see it later. I agree with fans who are like, I'm really interested in that, but to me this is a perfect deleted scene because yes, I'm interested, but I think it would have slowed down the flow of the movie because I think that's just such a brief plot point of, yep, he was in the military and obviously it didn't go well for him. And we need to get him moving. Mm-hmm. We also have what I think is like one of the funniest jokes. Uh, the, that great cut of, oh, of the, <laughs> <laughs> the Imperial saying, "We'll we'll have you flying in no time," and then cut Ooh. to him
3: oh,
4: so being blown away by an explosion. Yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. That's great information. Uh, I did my research on Tag and Bink. I bought the new Marvel release of all the uh, Kevin Rubio's uh, issues in one spot and enjoyed awesome. it. Wow. Had a lot of fun with it. Uh, we talked about it on Spotlight like, a couple weeks ago. Like. Uh, So I was like, I'm ready for Tag and Bink and and (laughs) not to not to see him in there. I didn't it was one of the things until after the movie it's like, Oh yeah. I don't think we really saw a tag and bank. So yeah, you're right, Joseph, just basic writing. If Han can say it in a sentence or two and we get the idea, then yeah. you know, we probably don't need a lot of the stuff, but be fun to see later.
3: Yeah, be fun to see later, but I do love that cut Isn't and that the look great? on Alden's face mm-hmm. of these you know, wide eyes, like what did I get myself <laughs> into that is so, so good. Mm-hmm. Okay, now this is what I was, this is what I was uh, hemming and hawing about. So the, the secrets behind Darth Maul. Slash film interview in the Kasdans and Ron Howard to talk about the Maul cameo and solo a Star Wars story. Should we have said spoilers? Uh, yeah, I think uh-oh. by this time, okay,
4: <laughs> you've either seen the movie or you're stubbornly refusing to see the movie, which I've got some weird tweets about this week. Yeah, oh. people just like eh, I'm not going to see it because I, I don't. Okay, you're all right. Enjoy your life, <laughs> uh, but I hope you change your mind. Yeah. But anyways,
3: okay, so yeah, yeah. well, late spoiler. Uh, Ron Howard said that initially, when he came aboard the film, the character of Maul was simply called boss howard assumed lucasfilm knew who the boss was and that they were just keeping it under wraps but they didn't Uh, however maul was listed as one of the candidates for that character john kazan admitted that even though maul was not originally named in the script he always wanted to put the zabrick in that role ron howard also shared that they shot the maul kerosene twice now, this is what I find interesting, because Solo's editor, Pietro Scalia, said that when they shot the scene the second time, they changed the dialogue, and they wanted to create a little more fear in Kira. He said it was originally too simplistic that she would easily go with this villain, so he said, quote, I think Ron wanted to get a little more depth and layers in the performance because it's a devil pact taking this on, end quote. I'm really glad that they reshot this because mm-hmm. I can see those layers, but there, there's a lot to unpack here. Yeah, where do we want to start? Where do we want to start? <laughs> <laughs> <we> want to <laughs> start with the whole thing that they didn't know that yeah, it was? Yeah, because I
0: think that uh, we talked about this on Jedi Council mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, I think that is the wrong headline
3: mm-hmm. to be
0: to be controversial mm-hmm. because because further down, uh, uh, Jonathan Caston says. I always wanted it to be Maul. So to me, you know, having written my own things and written for other people, there's a difference between nobody knows, nobody can decide. And there's one writer on the team is like, I want this. I want this. I want this. Will I get permission? And I feel like that's what this to me, my interpretation. That's what the story is. Mm. The story is not they didn't know. The story is Jonathan Kasdan was trying to get permission for his awesome idea, which is very well layered into the film.
4: Yeah, yeah I, I, interesting. I, I this this unfortunately helps feed that narrative. A lot of people want to say if nothing's planned, it's chaos over there. And and while there might be some truth to that, and maybe sometimes I want some of it planned. You know, I Absolutely. I, I, I want to uh, you know hear a little bit more of that. I, I I think when you dig into it, it isn't that like yeah. you're saying. John Caston has as is a Star Wars fan from go. Yeah, who grew up his his peak young adulthood was in those 90s. That's why you're getting Taras Cassie references and all that kind of stuff. So it would make sense to him that that, that, that Maul... And he talks about it. It's like, we know where Maul is at this time. Even though Crimson Dawn is something new, this makes some sense. And it just, you know, he, he answers to people. So at some yeah. point, mm-hmm. hey, maybe we want to make this job up. Because maybe their plans are Java. and then like, yeah, oh, okay, you're right. You've won right. us over.
0: Yeah, we want to introduce this next character because we have. The, but I love that the detail that uh <laughs> that Lawrence Kasdan is like, uh yeah, I remember that guy got cut in half, right? And John's <laughs> right. like, no, Dad, no, I'm sorry, Larry, I call you Larry. <laughs> anyway, it, it's just it, it's just such a great reminder of what this movie is. Like, if you imagine yourself as your dad, who goes to Star Wars and likes it but then you've got all the action and he's like actually dad if we, this is how it works it's Boba Fett's jetpacking he has got knee darts dad and like and that, that. that's the writing process where Lawrence Kasdan is like this older generation of like I yeah. know how to infuse noir into yeah. the Star Wars films I know how to write edgy and, and then, yeah. uh, little Johnny's coming in with like but dad here's
4: actually a real nerdy thing you don't know about yeah, I love it. it it is so funny Yeah, and the interview's great I, you know I get like I get John Cavson doesn't want to necessarily be known just as Lawrence Cavson's son in this situation, but it's an, it is nothing short of wonderfully interesting to me that he just it's constantly referred to as Larry yeah. when and he's I in there, when he's sitting right next to him. <laughs> yeah. It's just awkward. I just don't my, don't call my dad Al. <laughs> <All right? laughs> don't call me. Al. But right. uh, yeah, a lot to this Jennifer. Yeah, you know?
3: and then the second thing is is I guess for me I I don't. <laughs> I still have a difficult time with that scene with Kira. Mm. I just do. And I don't know. And I, and I don't know if it's Amelia Clark. Cause I think th- I can see the fear. Mm-hmm. I can see it, but I feel like she tipped the hat when she says, no, no, go on. You, you go on. I'll, I'll be right behind you. That was when I knew I was like, Oh, She's turning. So then Mm -hmm. it felt disconnected for me that then she suddenly is like hesitant about that choice. I I think that that's what I have the problem with, but that's a discussion for another time. But I do think it's interesting that they reshot that scene uh, Mm -hmm. because I, I would be fascinating to see her if she had easily gone with the villain, what would that have been looked like? Like
4: full, like if she was like, ha ha, I finally got my shot.
3: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. Maybe, maybe that wasn't even, maybe it was just too, um, not really one way. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like maybe Amelia yeah, Clark's yeah. performance was just kind of like, yeah. I don't want to say flat, but.
4: Yeah, yeah and I know I know there and Ray Park played some of the the dialogue different too and right and they added the lightsaber right I love that I was like that's yeah, me put in the lightsaber <laughs> yeah right. I think
0: that's great yeah, yeah there's there is no reason for him to do it other than intimidation and right. it looks cool and sometimes that's the reason to do something yes. in Star Wars is because it, it looks <laughs> absolutely cool absolutely yeah yeah I, I, a fan was writing me uh, uh, writing all of us at at uh, Force Center on Facebook um, we had a, a fun brief discussion about all of the Kira motivations I, I do think there's it's open to interpretation but for me that works perfectly i know because yeah. she can't escape right. so she has to do this but she's afraid right because who who wouldn't be right. put yourself in kira's shoes maul is your boss yeah the, well, just, you would probably answer to him and also not be happy about it I just yeah that's my, the my
4: deal take. the devil situation but yeah a little bit more from yeah, that's why I'm becoming more and more uh, fascinated with the the layers of Kira. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to see it again from, from from new things in my brain to see if it works. So I know what you're saying, Jennifer. Okay. It was really, I, she tipped her hand. That's And I know that's why a lot of people say, eh, some stuff was predictable. But yeah, it's fine. But we know stuff's coming. How does it affect the characters? We talk keep talking about that. So I think there's some layers there. Uh, what you've introduced into my brain, Joseph, the idea that she's definitely protecting Han, mm-hmm. definitely making a choice that maybe she doesn't even want to make. But at the same time, Choose a survivor yeah. who's taken that next final big step in, in many ways. So it, it, it's, I, but it, some of Ron Howard's comments there make me think that this is what's going on, you know? Right. Yeah. Deal with the devil idea. Yeah. yeah. I
3: like that. Yeah. I like that. Got to watch it again. Fourth yeah. time.
4: One last thing
0: I want to say yeah. about this story uh, that uh, I believe it was, is it Lawrence Kasdan or Ron Howard in this interview who just makes it really clear that Maul is not a like Marvel. Uh, last the uh, uh, post-credit scene that oh. martin that oh. mall is not there as an ellipsis to something else Oh, that right. Maul yes, made yes. sense in this story for this story right which yeah. i think is really important because we're all having great fun speculating responsibly of what if they do that underworld trilogy that scoundrel trilogy right. what if this is setting something up and i think we should listen to and believe the creators when they're like nope that's yeah. not what we we're doing So now I think the ball is in our court as fans. Yep. If we like that idea, if we want that idea, we should keep going out and seeing Solo while it's still in the theaters. We should, as appropriate, email and tweet and whatnot and say, that was great. We would like to see more. Yeah,
3: like John Kasdan said on Twitter, if you want <laughs> yeah. more underworld stories, let Lucasfilm know, and yeah. we let them know by going to Solo, <laughs> yeah,
4: which is part of the fun of being uh, somewhat writing in pencil, uh, of, yeah. of, of putting things down. Hey, this is what we want. Oh, but you know what? This was not only fun, and the fans reacted to, but it's it's once we think about it, it's an interesting direction to take things. This underworld, you know, that that, that allows cool things to happen.
3: Oh, one last thing. You know yeah. what I loved is Ron Howard, his uh, reaction to the interviewer, uh, Peter, from mm. Slash Film when he's like, oh yeah, so Ron Howard said, so what did you, what did you think about Maul? What did you think about that cameo? Yeah. He was like actually genuinely asking for feedback, you yeah. know? Like, would a fan care? And, and mentioning yeah. his
4: son, Reed, who was like oh, a yeah. fan and it was like, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, And this all ties back to the idea that Ron Howard was technically offered to direct Phantom Menace, even though before yeah. the script right. was uh, developed, all that kind of stuff. Isn't it the
0: detail yeah. that he told his son about it on the golf course? Was, yeah. His son's
4: a golfer, golfer so I don't I don't
0: know if it got in my head that he's on. It just looked like a scene from Arrested Development where he just walks (laughs) up and is like, Son, what do you think of (laughs) Maul?
3: Very he hadn't. Very nice
4: man. <laughs> uh, thanks, Jennifer. Uh, a little quieter Star Wars news with some yeah. meaty, meaty meals there to, to chew on. But uh, I think we all could use a little bit of a quieter Star Wars news week. Fun as always, as we like to do before we get to our main topic, which is Rogue One and Solo, a tale of two standalones. We want to go back to our Audible audio book listeners, and recommend our four Center pick for today. Joseph, it's a great one.
0: Yeah, it is Leia, Princess of Alderaan. I uh, picked this one to spotlight uh, because my wife's reading it, and she is loving it, and it was a great uh, refresher that the book is really, really great, even if you're not super deep into all of, like, she got it all. It was like, hey, yeah. this scene where this cool thing was happening, she's like, yeah, yeah. So I think if you haven't uh, read it or listened to it yet, check it out.
4: Absolutely, Uh, Claudia Gray's Leia, Princess of Aldron. it is on Audible, and to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash force center, again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audiobook. All right, in this new era of Disney Star Wars, we have got two standalone films, Rogue One, Solo, a Star Wars story, and, well, Rogue wants a Star Wars story, too. We know that. (laughs) And uh, these movies, are they here to stay? Will they be back in some other form? We don't know that. We have two, though, we love, and we're diving in them into them today, Joseph.
0: That is right. We are. I think we're lucky to have them both, and so this conversation will be some like, oh, what part of this did we like? What part of this did we not like? But it is really intended as a celebration of both Rogue One and Solo, because I think we're lucky to have them. But to kick off uh, the discussion, I want to talk a little bit about the term standalone. Mm. Now, technically, Lucasfilm has backed off standalone or anthology. That's why they're just a Star Wars story. right? right? Mm. But I think it's hard to discuss either of them without discussing... Uh, were they truly stand Like, if you saw no other movie ever, if this was the first Star Wars movie, would they
4: entirely make sense? Ooh, mm-hmm. yes. I think Solo more Yep, was constructed to be more. Yeah. I like that. Rogue One, I think so. Yeah. It'd be interesting <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to find that person. Well, we saw but, uh, the m-
0: Rogue One with yeah. a friend of yours from Screen Junkies oh, yes. and his partner, Yes, Ryan, Liz.
4: Ryan, handsome to those who are old listeners, the okay. old uh, cameraman there, and, and uh, Daisy, yeah, yeah, and she loved it, right? Yes, and she had little knowledge, board very, experience. Like yeah. very little knowledge of Star Wars. Star Wars, is just kind of a pop culture thing she's aware of, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. So, it the, in the movie really affected her, so clearly yeah. it works, but then mm-hmm. there are also moments of like you know, when Baylor Ghana walks out and the mu- music is like this guy, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure there's people who like wow, this yeah. movie just loves Jimmy Smith. Like, <laughs> he's got his own intro music. I mean,
4: sure, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, and it, I. The, it's where the standalone thing, because of Marvel, one of the successes Marvel has done, I mean, uh, a Captain America standalone film is definitely part of the bigger story. So I yeah. think we're used to it, It's a, and, and we focused on it. I think we as fans said anthology standalone more than them early. I think some of those yeah. words might have been used. But yeah, I think we glomped on it because that's the the thing we know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Jennifer, how do you feel about the standalone as a title? Do you think that's that's true of Rogue One and Solo, or do you want it to be?
3: I go by my mother, because, yeah, she's seen Star Wars, but I don't really know if she knows what she's seen. <laughs> <laughs> she really gets it. Uh, she just was like, why wasn't Daisy Ridley in Rogue One? So,
2: <laughs> she,
3: so she saw Rogue One, and she saw Solo, and she loved Solo. She's like, for once, I actually understood what was going on. Interesting. It was so easy for her to follow, you know, and that to me is a successful standalone with Rogue One. A lot of people were confused, even people who have seen Star Wars, mm-hmm. about the timeline. And also like you kind of have to know what the Death Star is and what it, what it means in some right. sense in, in the larger um, storyline. So while it is a good standalone film, I do kind of feel like Solo is more true. More true. Yeah. like You don't have to see any other Star Wars film. you could just get, you know, understand that story by itself. And Rogue One
4: ending, you know, essentially days, minutes, moments before New Hope.
3: Right. Yeah. Yeah. makes it
4: more connected for sure. A
3: little bit more connected. Right.
4: Yeah. Yeah. You can watch
0: Solo and say that guy and his Wookiee are off to have some adventures. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. And the other one is like, uh, watch a new hope right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Which, you know, yeah, Uh, I just wanted to touch on that a little bit. I'm sure we'll do a future episode more, uh, getting a little bit more closer look at what exactly it means to be standalone. But with that in our minds. Do we personally have a favorite? And again, this is we're not ranking, we're not voting, we're not <laughs> competing. We're just talking about three people with our individual Star Wars opinions. Yeah. And in fact, I, I think almost in in this uh this time right now, maybe it's better to yeah. just in, keep keep it personal instead of what's better.
4: Uh, Uncle Joseph, can I like them both? <laughs> you
0: can and you should. Do you like chocolate and vanilla ice cream? <laughs> That's no problem. You yeah. don't have to
4: throw one away forever. You just swirl <laughs> them. Pick kid, pizza or hot dogs. Pick kid. Uh, look, yeah, um, it's a it's a fair question. I, I do really love both these movies, and it's it's changed. I've only at this time seen Solo twice. My schedule has not allowed me to get back out. I'm actually planning on that uh, soon. But I think I even said to you, Joseph, uh, I think I will. I think I'll watch Rogue One more because mm-hmm. it connects to the bigger story more directly. Again, not just literally to New Hope, but figuratively the big thing going on. But over the last couple of days, I've literally, you know, in, in doing the studying for the Schmodown where you're yeah. putting in movies and everything and we get caught up in watching them again, I could see Solo really just being that movie that I just put on on a Saturday afternoon and sit down and watch, check in and out as I do some chores. I do that with all the movies, yeah. but I think Solo, almost to what you're saying about your mother, Jennifer, <laughs> is, a, is a, you know an easier watch in that sense. Where Rogue One, I really tune in on that third act because I think the first act is, is connected to more to other things and the third act is, is fighting. They're fighting. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know yet. Yeah. I love them both. It might end up being Solo. Yeah.
0: How about mm. you, Jennifer?
3: I've been going around town saying that I don't like Rogue One recently. I don't know why, but I, 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 I want to <laughs> take it back.
0: Just, going, around just going around town. <laughs> just walking into Payless shoes or like.
3: I don't know what. I've been on <laughs> different panels. Okay. Oh, you, so, uh, she's
4: drunk at a bar. But I, don't, I, I don't I don't, don't like know. What? I didn't tell one. you about that. You know, Rogue Let one. me talk to you about character development.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I went back and I watched it last night. Not all of it because I, I started to fall asleep because I tr- turned it on at midnight. But, uh, I I really like Rogue One. Mm-hmm. I I love it. There's a, things problems I have with it, but overall successful. I think it's a successful movie. But I'll tell you what, Solo has my heart because mm-hmm. it's a movie. You know, when, by the time I'm actually able to sit down and watch a movie, I'm so tired and I just my I want to do something. Not I want to say mindless, but just like mm-hmm. I just want to have fun. And so for me, Solo is that film where I can just it's it's funny. It's lighthearted. And yeah. yeah, there's, there's consequences and, you know, it's connected to the larger galaxy. But with Rogue One last night, I was starting to get, I was getting really emotional. And oh, yes.
4: I, I, I cried at Rogue One recently. Just, I had it on just like you do, like studying like, all right, what's this planet? And then also like at the end, I was like, got teary eyed because oh. the hope and all that kind of stuff. But Solo, I heard a lot of people and I agree, like, it's nice to have a movie not connected to the end of the galaxy. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And I think that's part of the, the fun and what I do want going forward in a lot of my Star Wars programming. Some I want absolutely connected to the big thing, right. and I want the uh, the Death Star bearing down on Yavin Four. Yeah. But this one, yeah, absolutely. It's just it's a fun adventure.
0: Yeah, I love them both for the the new ground that they claimed, uh, and I I love that Rogue One went grittier, went darker, went like here. Hey, if we're gonna talk about hope a lot, let's show you a lot of characters who are really at risk of.